Good morning, everyone. It's my privilege to get to introduce to you Pastor Marvin Daniels. He and his wife, Angie, uh, head the Hope Center. The Hope Center is an inner city ministry in Kansas City. Um, Lakeland and the Hope Center have been partners since both uh, ministries started. And so we are really intertwined um, in trying to serve Christ. So we're so excited to have Pastor Marvin here to share with us from the Word of God this morning. From time to time, um, the Hope Center thanks us for support, and we're happy to receive that as it's good to be gracious and receive gratitude, but really we want to thank you. We want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to do what we should do. When you read Matthew chapter 25 as one of those moments when Jesus answers very clearly, what must you do to enter the kingdom of heaven? You know, and he has to feed the hungry and to give drink to the thirsty and to clothe the naked and to visit the prisoner and to care for the orphan. And, and, and that is all things that the Hope Center does. And so when we partner with the Hope Center, you're giving us the opportunity to serve our God and to answer the call that he's given us. So it's our privilege to serve you, and it is our duty as Christians to serve you. And thank you for giving us that opportunity that when we read that scripture, um, we're able to say, I am I'm doing these things, I believe, to serve the Lord. May I do them more and more. May the Spirit show me opportunities to do them more and more. So thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. And I pray now that the Spirit will speak through you and give us our next set of marching instructions from Lord Jesus Christ and from the Scriptures. Amen. Let's welcome Pastor Marvin. Thanks, Pastor Garrett. Thank you. Oh, thank you, sis. Amen. It's good to be here with the Lakeland family. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, the Hope Center is going on 20 years. That means 20 years Lakeland has been involved in the work of the Hope Center. So we're so grateful to you all. If you've been, if you've served with the Hope Center in some form, you've been to the past Fall Fest, you've you've done Thanksgiving with us, you've been in Christmas time with us celebrating. Would you just stand up? I want to just see see who you are. You gather together here. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. There's so many more of you that are out there. If you're going to be hanging out with me on Friday for the Heart for Hope, anybody going to be hanging out on Friday with me for Heart for Hope? Thank you so much for, for being there for our annual fundraiser. It's just been a real blessing. And, and on behalf of my, my main squeeze of 29 years this month, um, Angie Daniels, thank you so much. And um, it's good to have my baby girl with me. It's not school. She got up early for the first service, and uh, she had a smile on her face. So I'm grateful. <laughs> Very, very grateful. Uh, If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to Galatians chapter 3? We'll be focusing on just three verses today. Galatians, the third chapter, looking at verses 26 through 29. The Bible says, and you see it on the screen, the Bible says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and is according to his promise. Father, thank you again for this time that I get with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We just ask now that you would speak to us from your word, encourage our hearts, remind us of who we are, 
And if there's anybody in our hearing today that don't know you in an intimate, personal way, God, I pray that they would see the need today for us in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Well, first of all, let me just say uh, happy Black History Month to you. Uh, We get a chance to be that every day of the year. Uh, But we're just grateful that you get a chance to participate with us throughout this month. And as we do, we have the opportunity to sometimes reflect just a little bit differently during this time uh, about our nation and who we are as the people of God. For instance, uh, the way this nation has displayed being part of the land of the free and home of the brave looks different sometimes for us black and brown citizens. So the flag usually takes on a different meaning. Our churches in the midst of the culture um, have grown so partisan that it appears that they have lost their prophetic voice to the culture to speak to power. As followers of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves silent on issues that are really uh, pertinent and injustices that really hurt our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and therefore it forms a divide amongst us. Uh, The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Pastor King, stated that I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daylight daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. See, the world still today has yet to see why Jesus is so necessary. And so Paul reminds you and I through these three verses, and I want to make three observations in your hearing today, that helps to remind us of who we are in the midst of the culture. Paul shares with us that as, we, as he talks to these Galatian believers made up of both Jews and Greeks, that he wants to remind them of the diversity of being a believer in Jesus that makes the difference in the world in which they live as Christ followers. He wants them to be able to relate to one another, and he wants to help them understand that there's a promised community forever for us. And so I'd like to make these three observations. First and foremost... From Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26, that we are part of one family. That we are part of one family. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. So Paul reminds us, first and foremost, that if you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, if you are walking as a follower of Jesus Christ, we family. I just get a chance to come on this side of town today to be with my light-skinned family, but we family. If we're walking together in Christ, we're part of the same family. But like many families... Sometimes family members can get on your nerve or they can hurt you or they can say things that trouble you. Just because that I get upset with my wife one day doesn't mean that I no longer love her. Just because we get in an argument and she's wrong don't mean that I can't love her. It's a loving relationship that we're committed to. John chapter 13 Verses 34 and 35 says these words. Jesus says, a new command, not a suggestion, a new command I give you. Love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, God will never bless what we pretend to be. He only blesses who we are. And he calls us into a, in, in the midst of this culture to be able to answer the question of the culture, why do I need your God? And my response to why people need our God, why our culture need our God in the midst of all the darkness that they see around them is the answer is because God gives you an eye. God empowers us to do the things that we would not naturally do. I cannot naturally love someone who I know despitefully uses me. I know that I can't possibly forgive someone that has deeply and insidiously hurt me without the power of the living God. I recognize that I cannot be truthful to individuals in love without the power of the living God. I can't act justly and call out things that are wrong in a life of an individual that hinders relationship without the power of the living God. I can't walk in purity for 29 years married to that Carmel queen without the power of the living God. That God gives us the power to be able to live together as one family. We're called to be one family. But second of all, we're also called to be in one fellowship. Look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That you and I are called to be in one fellowship. Do you realize God is not colorblind? Matter of fact, God ain't blind at all. all right? He calls you and I in the midst of this diverse world that he's created to be in one fellowship together. Nelson Mandela said these words, no one is born hating a person because of the color of their skin or their background or their religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, then they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than to its opposite. See, what happens in the midst of our churches today is that we confuse unity with being homogeneous. Unity is not sameness. Oneness is not sameness. If we were all the same, then only one of us would be necessary. We get the privilege together to be a part of the same family. But just because we're part of the same family doesn't mean we all like the same things. We all don't like the same thing. Even in the Daniels family, we all don't like the same things. We all don't like the same movies. We all don't like the same food. We always don't see the same type of entertainment. We don't all ride the same roller coasters. We don't do those things. We are part of the same family, but there's some differences in the midst of the family. And just because there's differences in the midst of the family doesn't mean the family has to be divided because of the differences. The differences is what makes us who we are. 
If you are married today, you've already recognized that if you pass the first year of marriage, that you can't change him. (laughs) You already recognize that. Because it's our differences that brings our uniquenesses together. We still could be different and yet function as one. This generation is a different generation than we've ever been in today. This generation has experienced more interracial relationships, more interracial marriages together than any other time in human history is right now in this generation. Because this this generation embraces what it really means to enjoy one's own culture. And if I can value my own culture, I can value the culture of others. Because we love variety. We can appreciate each other's gifts and each other's cultures. That's why white folk can like fried chicken, collard greens, cornbread, and sweet potato pie. That's why black folk can enjoy casseroles and baked chicken and and pot pies. That's why we can go to Chinese restaurants and we can go to Mexican restaurants. And that's why we can eat East Indian foods. We can enjoy a variety. When I was in Boston at Cambridge Church of the Nazarene, we had a church made up of 18 different languages from 22 different countries. And we had a wonderful time at the end of each month, we would have what is called a potluck celebration. It was like a world fest. I couldn't wait for potlucks to occur. We would spend a lot more time in church services because we would read scripture in different translations. We would sing songs in different translations. And it was just a beauty, a perfect picture depicted of God's diversity that he's created. How do I know he created Acts chapter 17. Verse 26 in your hearing. Acts 17, 26 says these words. From one man he made all the nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That God created diversity for his pleasure and for our enjoyment. We get the privilege of enjoying diversity. We get the privilege of hearing from each other and looking at our own uniquenesses and functioning as one and not the same. How I see the world might be different from how you see the world, but we can still walk in oneness together. God calls us to do that because we are not only one family, but we need to hang out together because we're also a part of one fellowship. Thirdly, he says, we also promise one future. Verse 29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and your inheritors according to the promise. That we are promised one future together. That by grace, you and I, as the children of God, will inherit God's promises to Abraham. And therefore, we can anticipate the joy of what we call inclusive grace. The inclusiveness of grace allows you and I to be grafted into the promises of Abraham. That what God promised his future, we get a chance to inherit. And because of this grace... We can begin to combat racial prejudice and classism and superiority and hopelessness. That we can fight against the collision of ignorance and nonsense. Because of his grace. 
Matter of fact, uh, it was the summer of 1984. I was on a summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ. We was going to Washington, D.C. And while we were there in Washington, D.C., it was 27 students, 19 guys, 18 females. Ten of them was on the East Coast for the very first time. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. That's where I was born and raised. And I'm sitting there with Michael Thomas from Jackson, Mississippi, and we're the only two African-Americans in the entire group. This is the month of May, and we had to live with each other till August. So like any other new opportunities, the first week we spent a whole lot of times in pleasantries and politeness. But when week two got around, we moved to dialogue. Man, why are you washing your hair in the sink when I got to brush my teeth? You call that sweet potatoes? You know, we just was going into it with each other. But we moved into dialogue because there were certain perceptions that we had about one another and misconceptions that we had. And we would sit down, and there were times when we had dialogue with each other for three hours. By the end of that month of August, people couldn't understand how black and white, male and female, could live together in, the, in such love the way we did because we fought for it. We battled for that oneness together. So much so that this is 2019, 10 of us of the group still keep in touch with each other. We've been to everybody's weddings together. Children are named after each other. And it's been a wonderful experience to be able to count each other friends. Back in New York, I was with Young Life and Bill Tetro, a friend of mine, um, Bill is, is white. I mean, there's, he's unmistakably white. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's snow cloud white. With red hair. And, and, and Bill and I, we were boys, and so we were working together. And when we went into a white, primary white, predominantly white communities or churches, Bill would say, hey, Marvin, uh, let me do the talking. I'm going to contextualize here. And so we would come in, and Bill would protect my interests before his people. When we went back to the hood, and we was over there with the brothers. I said, Bill, I got your back. I'll contextualize for you. you know? Matter of fact, even when we was driving to a place where we was going to speak together, he was in one car, I was in another, the police pulled me over. And Bill comes over and pulls over as well. As he's approaching my car, Bill gets out of his car. And as Bill walking towards the officer, the officer turns around and he said, Hey, can I help you? He said, yes, that's my brother. And if you pull them over, then you pull me over because whatever he did, I did. Bill was a brother. We, we, we walked together. Uh, we were willing to lay our lives down on the line for one another because we belong to one family. We was part of one fellowship and we were engaged in one future together. Too many young people, Cornell West would say, Dr. Cornell West would say, too many young folk have addiction to superficial things and not enough conviction for substantial things like justice, truth, and love. As the body of Christ, we're called just to realign ourselves as God's representation on this earth. Because one of the things he reminded us in John chapter 13 is that we need authentic love in the body of Christ, not staged love. There's a video that I want you to see that depicts what it really means to live in oneness together as part of a larger body of believers on this earth. 
Rather, we black, white, biracial, Asian, Latino. It doesn't matter that God would bring the beauties of his culture, the beauties of languages together and call them one fellowship, part of one family, because he knows we'll be together in one future. Take a look at this clip and then I'll close this out in prayer. I want to say something to everyone in a spirit of humility, a spirit of meekness, and a spirit of Christ-like love. There's chaos and calamity in the world, and there's so much hurt and distrust. When police are killed, we need to say something. When black boys are killed, we need to say something. And when we don't say something, we're saying something. We have the spirit of redemption when we speak. At our concerts, in our churches, I beg of you, let's ask the people that we are accountable and stand in front of to pray with us for healing. So Father God, I pray that our families will come together right now and seek your face. You will forgive our sins and you'll heal our incredible land. In the name of the only Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. And, and that beauty of, of God's depiction reminds us of what we're called to as the body of Christ, that we get the privilege of modeling on this earth what Jesus loves look like in the body of Christ. If we don't get it together and write in the body of Christ, there's no hope for the culture. There's no hope for the world because the authenticity of love stems from the guy who created it and dispersed it amongst his body. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters gathered here today. Father, rather we part of the physically disadvantaged community, rather we uh, father, our challenge in our own mental health, regardless of our cultural groups represented it. God, we just ask that you would help us as you gave Peter the vision in Acts chapter 10 to go to a non-Jewish family called Cornelius and to be able to take the truth of the gospel as it was awaiting to be received, where you were showing them that there is no favoritism in the body. We're so grateful for that. And so would you now take my brothers and sisters here at Lakeland and allow them to encounter the truth of authenticity amongst, first and foremost, themselves as a body of believers, and then God, for everybody that they get a chance to engage with. May we continue to display what the love of Jesus looks like. That oneness does not mean sameness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And together the saints say, amen. and amen. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, may the Spirit give us each an opportunity this morning to live that. Each, each one of us have an encounter this week when we can lead with love, when we can stand up for love and for justice. So be alert. Be alert. The Lord seldom gives you a word that he doesn't then give you a test. See if you got it or if you need it again. So let's be prepared. Be alert. He loves pop quizzes. Amen. All right, everyone, go in peace.